Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. And today's episode is freaking incredible because I sit down with Alenka Kulinin, who came to the U.S. at just age 19 with only $450, borrowed dollars, that is, in her pocket and turned into a massive success story or the American dream, as she puts it. But before we get into the interview, I need to remind you that my wife's life-shifting weekend event, The Bliss Project, is getting close to being sold out. And the tickets are actually still $100 off for a tiny bit yet. So if you know that something inside of you needs to shift in order for you to find your purpose and unlock your happiness, if you know that something feels a little bit off and and you haven't quite been able to fully figure out what that is yet, then go to theblissproject.info. Again, theblissproject.info to see if maybe this is the life up-leveling event that you've been searching for. Now, I first saw Olenka speak when I was at an event in Phoenix. And when I saw her speak, I said, oh, I have to have her on my podcast. She is amazing. Now, her specialty is in developing the entrepreneurial skill sets of teens and really young millennials. But as a parent herself, the info she shares on this episode is really like a handbook for parenting kids into becoming massive success stories. Now, don't worry, there's plenty for us adults to learn from her concepts as well. And she shares her secrets to taking action before you're ready, how to get over that hump, how to actually jump and build your parachute on the way down. And you're not going to believe her incredible stories of giving and the lives that she is literally saving because of her success and ability to do so. So sit down and get ready because this episode is absolutely freaking fire. All right, Alenka, thank you so much for jumping on. I'm actually really excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm even more excited to be on this. You know, I first got to see you in Arizona, and I was out there watching another buddy speak at an event, and I saw you speak, and I thought, I have to have her on the podcast, particularly because you shared a little bit of your story, and your story was awesome. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, it was a great event with Power Vision. But yeah, my story is a little bit, you know, what, I mean, not a little bit, a lot what made me. Uh, as I'm sure the listeners can tell, I have an accent. It's not from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Russian born. And, you know, I literally borrowed $450 from my uncle, jumped on the plane and came out to build what now proved to be an American dream, I guess. That's absolutely amazing. So give us some of the details there. You know, I'm sure it wasn't as simple as, hey, uncle, can I have 450 bucks? And you came over and all of a sudden it was, it was a massive success story like you are today. What, let's kind of start when you were thinking about moving to America. What was driving that decision? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, well, first of all, let's start a little bit earlier. I grew up with a mother who was a diehard entrepreneur. You know, I watched her build a company from ground up for 37 years. So a lot of what I took for granted, you know, a lot of the qualities of entrepreneur, perseverance, hard work, not, you know, giving up on things came definitely from watching my mother build her company. And when I came to the U.S., for the first time, I was 19 years old. I was in education because, you know, I decided to take that leap. I was so kind of inundated with entrepreneurship growing up. I thought, you know, I want to get as far away from that as possible. So I decided to go into teaching because I truly love educating people. And uh, being in education, came here at 19 for the first time and was just completely blown away. I mean, not only, I'm pretty sure my first summer working as a camp counselor in the US, I made more than you know my mother made in a month. So, uh, and then I saw the fact that this was truly an opportunity where I could come and build 
whatever I wanted to build because I mean I'm sure people are somewhat familiar with you know Russian landscape and business landscape growing up there in the 90s it was primarily about who you know to build what you wanted to build and here I truly saw the opportunity to I could build anything you know I didn't need to know people I didn't need to have the backers and the support and the bribes I could just truly work learn the skills and I actually did the conversation went kind of like that I went to my uncle and I said there is a program it costs $450 that I don't have <laughs> and knowing my uncle uh, I you better believe it I paid him everything back with percentage so I borrowed the money I told my mom I want to try it out and I decided to come here for the summer. I jumped on the plane and on the plane I actually met a girl who also happened to have 400 bucks and we became sort of friends out of circumstances. Uh, moved to Iowa out of all places and for the first summer literally we bought a car with my $450 and rented an apartment with her money and that's how the whole story got started oh so gosh. it was very humble beginnings of goodwill furniture and you know asking people we didn't know for help that's wild so this kind of brings up two more questions for me the first one is you said your mom was this great entrepreneur and you got to see her being a great entrepreneur as you grew up but then you chose to get into education when you came to the US how come you didn't choose to come over and just become an entrepreneur right away I think part of it was the fact that one like I said I was young I actually graduated high school at 16 so I was a very young college graduate uh, and part of that was the fact that she was working so hard and I was introduced and following her around since I was 14 years old, translating for her, interpreting documents, dealing with a lot of, you know, large companies on a very large scale. I mean, literally negotiating million dollar contracts for her. So part of me was just kind of tired of this whole idea of just run, run, run and do all these things. So. I was like, you know, maybe entrepreneurship was not for me, even though my mother obviously was devastated. So I decided to stick in education because I love the fact that I could truly transform minds to a degree. And then the second part of it, I think, came with the fact that I wanted to try something else. You know, I've been in entrepreneurship pretty much like growing up. So for me, it was what else can I do? What else can I do outside of this arena? So that's why I think I first went into education, partially yeah. to make my mother mad, you know, like, <laughs> like most like young all teens. people do. Absolutely. Of course, <laughs> whatever our parents want, we're going to do the opposite. Right. And then you said something else. You said when you got here, you realized it was an opportunity to succeed without the bribes, without having to know somebody, et cetera, et cetera. What is the opportunity landscape here in the U.S. like compared to where you came from? Yeah, and I think I'm going to speak to this with a little bit of an immigrant mentality. You know, when you come from a completely different environment where you truly, you know, you truly don't know what's going to happen most of the time, you know, where pol political landscape changes so quickly, and then you come here where you see the opportunity in the sense that you can work at any company you can you know I, I since that coined a phrase if skills are learnable success is learnable too and i truly believe that i truly believe that if you learn a set of skills in this country uh you have such wide open field to go into any really any you know career any business that you want to be in you can build your own success literally with your own two hands and so I think being an immigrant when you come here and you see that completely different approach to even a business where you see all the success stories you know of Steve Jobs starting in his garage and building a multi-million dollar probably a billion dollar company at this point you you understand that immigrant mentality plugs in understanding that you know we don't take these things for granted. We truly look at this. How can I start with nothing and build something, especially that nothing else is required outside of you, you know, your own mindset and your own skills. And I think that's what drove me so hard is that I knew it was all about me. I love hearing that. And I, I have to kind of preface why I love this so much. So number one, I'm, I don't mean to call my listeners out, but I feel like when you're born and raised here, you're a little bit too soft and you take things for granted. So I love having that outside perspective as to just how wide open the opportunity is for anyone. And number two, last week I literally interviewed one of my friends. Do you know Bedros Kilian by any chance? 
I've heard of him, but yeah, I don't know him personally, but yes, heard the name. So same incredible story, um, came over as an immigrant and absolutely is just crushing it. And he actually coined a term called the immigrant edge. And he mm -hmm. said that when you come over um, and you have to start from nothing, you kind of have this edge to you that is going to set you apart from everybody else. Do you believe that there is an immigrant edge that kind of gives you a leg up in terms of hard work and, and grit? I do. Honestly, I do. I know. I mean, I don't want to sound standoffish by any means, but I really think it's that, you know, it's, it's, and I even see it right now, you know, when I work with teens, because I work globally, I see, I always joke with teens in the U.S. that sometimes they take so much for granted, somebody else is going to eat their lunch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and especially now, because with digital world, you have access to everything. I mean, they can take classes from universities like Harvard and Stanford online, you know, and so I think that immigrant mentality and that immigrant edge for sure exists because we come here with literally zero expectations. We come here not expecting any handouts. You know, I'll give you an example. I was a four years of being on the dean, dean's list in college here, and I went to a private school and I were a very small school called Loras College. So I was on a dean's list four years uh, straight. I was one of the best students. I couldn't get any scholarships because I was an international student. So I had to work three jobs to get a college degree. And yes, it sounds insane. Would I, you know, recommend it to anyone? Probably not. But standing at my graduation date with zero student debt, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. And, you know, I'm obviously I was exhausted, but it was 100% worth it for me because I learned very early on that world owes you nothing, absolutely owes you nothing. You know, I happen it's, to agree with you, and I'm so glad that yeah. you're talking about this because listen to your story. You came over here with $450. You spent the entire thing on a car just to get around and, and then, you know, lived with somebody else, a, a girlfriend that you had met. Look, at you worked three jobs to get a college education. I mean, you have rolled up your sleeves and physically forced all of your success to happen. At the same time as I have so many friends, I don't mean to call them out, but I have so many friends that they say they would love to be able to invest in this business or they would love to be able to live out here in California, but they can't right now because they have their, you know, $800 car payment or their, you know, $4,000, you know, condo payment or something like that. And those things are holding them back. These little luxuries, these little moments mm -hmm. of being spoiled. They're so used to that instead of sacrificing stuff for the real success that it stops them in their steps. Have you seen that a lot? Yeah, definitely. You know, I always, I, I often say this, uh, you know, that uh, I always say that comfort and execution don't live in the same block. Mm -hmm. And uh, if anything, my mother was one amazing human being about execution. She always told me, I don't care if you're different. You know, I don't care if you're better than everybody else as long as you're different. So she always taught me to look at results, you know, and look at actions that lead to those results. And I think that mentality of, are you going to make up excuses or you're going to turn them into opportunities is what separates me from so many people. You know, I'm not any smarter than anybody else. I'm most certainly, you know, I'm dyslexic in math to give you an idea, but I'm doing just fine with money <laughs> because <laughs> it's a different kind of math for me. It's business. It gets me excited. So I mean, I am definitely a believer that, yes, you, you always choose. You can look at any circumstance that you have in your life and you choose what it's going to become. Is it going to be, become an excuse for your opportunity because you can't have both at the same time? That's amazing. And I want to use a term that you used much earlier. You've literally become the American dream, so to speak, in terms of a success story. And, and it's just awesome to see examples like you because it inspires the hell out of me. So Catch us up a little bit. How would you explain what you do? You're the founder of this thing called Rising Tycoons. What is it? Yes. So I'm the founder of Rising Tycoons, which is a company where we teach teens success skills. And under success skills, we mean entrepreneurship, leadership, and personal development. So what we do, we take teens through this journey called Rising Tycoons Academy. And uh, we take them from understanding the mindset of CEO, living your life by design, every aspect of business, and bring them all the way to launching their own startup. So imagine doing what you and I are doing when you're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. That gives you a whole different leg up 
on the world around you. It also changes your mindset because if anything, we teach them, you know, understanding what failure is and embracing failure in their lives and taking risks and, you know, learning to look at the world differently. So to date, Rising Tycoons has impacted over 8,500 teens, over 1,500 educators. We worked with teens from 22 countries at this point. We just launched in India. So to go from, you know, being a, in education and sort of staying within the system to stepping out of the box and completely revamping education for these kids. And we just recently took Rising Tycoons Academy online, where now we can scale in any country, in any state. I mean, that gets me out of bed every morning. You better believe it. I mean, that's that's a purpose at this point, for sure. It's a life's purpose. I freaking love this mission. You know, when I was growing up, all really the only option there was was to go get a job. Like, you know, some minimum wage job, a summer job when you're a teen, something like that. Now it's so different. We've got people starting online businesses at 15 or 16. They're, you know, flipping products on eBay. Like, you name it. Kids can make so much money now, and you're really just showing them the right way of doing it and giving them the right skills. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Because yes, you, you're 100% right. You know, there's so much opportunity online with Instagram and, you know, YouTube and all those things. But we also teach them to think like true, like true entrepreneurs and true business people, you know, where it's smart investing, we're teaching them about finance portions of it, where it's not just, you know, they accidentally get a credit card in college on college campus when they need a weekend of partying. We, we actually teach them on how you take the money, how do you invest it in a smart way? How do you deal with finances? So yes, all the things essentially that they don't learn whether in high school and college this is what our company is all about oh my god that excites me because i've got to be honest i feel like the american educational institution is crap and all it does is teach you how to pass tests and maybe teaches you how to work for somebody so the fact that you have the rising tycoons uh, is it a university or what should i call it program the rising tycoons academy academy yeah. is exactly what everybody needs right now if this country is going to have a half-assed chance at, at getting its its crap together. So I love that. So you said you took it from offline to online recently. So before it was just an in-person thing and now anyone can take it? Yes, absolutely. Well, we started on the ground because we wanted to test the impact. And I mean, I stand behind the program. I mean, first of all, we sort of, you know, start up on steroids. We've re created the impact we created in three and a half years. So that in itself is very exciting, especially like you said, working against the system. I was a part of the system, so I can say, yes, we're literally teaching 1800th century system to kids who are graduating in jobs that don't exist. So at some point we have to walk away from that model. Unfortunately, fighting the system takes a long time. So instead of uh, you know, somebody just recently told me a story and I really want to share it so people understand how Rising Tycoons came about to be. You know, I was in India and a gentleman told me a story. He said, you know, uh, we have this, uh, you know, this sort of prophecy in India. If you take a stick and the stick is a certain length, how can you make the stick shorter? But you can't touch it. You can't cut it. You can't do anything with it, but you need to make it shorter. And I looked at him and I said, I, I'm not even following. <laughs> you know, what, what is it you want me to do? And he said, you, you put the stick on the ground and you draw a line in the dirt that's longer than the stick. Oh. And he said, all you did with Rising Tycoons is you created a system that's parallel to the system that's not working. And so that's the reason we wanted to create Rising Tycoons Academy and now take it online because we turned it into an eight-week transformational program. I mean, in 67 minutes a week, we essentially teach kids everything that they wouldn't otherwise know until they're in their 30s and their 40s. More than that, we have a blended model because we actually invite mentors just like yourself, entrepreneurs, CEOs all over the world who come on the Zoom session with them and discuss every week what they're going through, you know, their struggles, where they are in the business that they're building, because their ultimate goal is they end up with eight, within after eight weeks, they launch a project, they launch a startup, a very beginning, early stages startup concept, and they actually compete in a virtual competition, it's a pitch just like Shark Tank. We bring real entrepreneurs to judge them and then we fly the winners to Phoenix to compete live. So our goal was to bring as much real live entrepreneurship as possible and to show them that there are people out there, you know, who are adults, who failed, who lost companies, who built their businesses right back up, who are still struggling, who are doing incredible things. So we really show them that what they're doing 
everybody else is doing, except they're much older than them. But we want them to have that blended experience. And that's how Rising Tycoons Academy Online was born. So we can go to countries like India, where we have insane amount of requests, Malaysia, where we have insane amount of requests. We're talking to Ghana right now. And it's unfortunate, however, you know, I want to stay within the US. I want to scale this within the US first, but we just can't hold the growth back because all these countries that we consider underdeveloped, all those kids are so hungry for this for this knowledge. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I literally have like goosebumps right now. I'm so excited about this program. So let's kind of shift into something I read about you. I read a great quote that somebody said, I'm not sure who it was, but they said she turns adults into chief tycoon makers and she turns teens into tycoons. So we've already talked about the teens, but what about the adults in their life? Like where can adults do a better job of creating these quote teen tycoons, you know, setting their kids up for better success in this fast changing world? Cause the world is changing so damn fast that if you don't have these skills, you're probably gonna be left behind. Oh, 100%. You know, I mean, I, that's why we are so attached to our adult influences. And by that, I mean, you know, whether it's educators or parents or coaches in their lives or just mentors, you know, mentors who are other entrepreneurs and business owners. So yes, adults, are a huge part because I always tell, you know, I always tell adult influences that we work with is whatever you say doesn't matter. (laughs) What matters is what you do. You can't tell teens what to do and do the opposite. So they will, you are the biggest role model in their life. And a lot of times even parents struggle with that. You know, you can't teach your kids not watch TV if they watch you every weekend binge watching shows. You can't teach your kids to be healthy if they've never seen you going in the gym. And I'm sorry, like I know I might offend some people with this, but the truth is they will only say, they will only do what you do. That's, that's the reality of things. And so what adults need to do, they do need to realize that even though they are uncomfortable with social media, it's not the kid's fault that they're born into the world of social media. These kids don't have a choice. If you don't believe me, go on Amazon.com. They have this thing called iPotty, which is essentially a potty seed for little kids that has iPads stand attached to it. So if you don't think we start them young in technology, we do. <laughs> we start them as young as possible. So these kids don't even have any outside reality. So I always tell the parents and adult influences we work with, you have to educate yourself on the world around these kids. It's your job to understand that social media brings just as much good as it may have some negative factors for which they lose their privileges. You also need to understand that they're literally going to go into jobs and careers that may not even exist today. So you need to give them opportunity to be able to learn these skills way before they're in their 30s and 40s. You know, they can follow the traditional go to school, like you said, get a minimal wage job or whatever it is and go into college and have no idea what their passions are. They need to be able to be savvy also because we're truly playing a global arena right now. We now have kids from India and China and, you know, Bangladesh moving to the U.S. to go to universities, go to any engineering department in a university, see who the students are there. So unless our students start catching up and our youth starts catching up with this global game, they're really going to be left behind. It's it's truly, and I mean, obviously, I'm not going to, you know, avoid the fact that yes, programs like ours exist, and these kids need to be exposed to them. And they need to learn these skills way before they graduate high school if they want to be taken seriously. Oh, my God. That's wild. That is so true. Mic drop. Like, everything you said (laughs) is spot on. And I'll I'll give you an example to back it up. Actually, somebody we know mutually. The event where I first saw you speak. Do you remember David Norrie who spoke? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know David well, yeah. Okay, perfect. So he and his wife, you know, obviously they do a lot of things, right? But one of the things they do is they work out every day in front of their kids. And their daughters are two and five. And the two-year-old, her name is Phoenix, ironically, because they live in Phoenix, (laughs) uh, wasn't planned that way. (laughs) But Phoenix will grab little weights and mimic what Angelique is doing. So what you said about kids are watching and they are going to do what you do, not what you say, is one of the most important messages that people can, can adopt, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That is 100% true. I cannot stress this to the parents enough. As a matter of fact, 
anytime I work with Dell influences and I'm just going to call everybody out like this, it is the hardest, the hardest message for them to adopt because they have to step up, step up to the game. They have to elevate their behavior for their teens and for the youth to match it. But the truth is we can only change the country by changing the next generation. So we have to step up our game so a next generation is going to be different, which is going to in turn affect how our country is going to operate. Amen. Totally agree. So do you only work with teens or do you work with adults as well? I actually do work with adults uh, through the other avenue, which is alinkacullinan.com. And this is my millennial coach in women in business arena. I love that because one, I saw a lot of demand, you know, and to be honest, when I started working with millennials, one of the one of the reasons I'm a millennial myself, but reason two, especially recently, millennials almost became like the term in terms of like addressing certain behaviors and, you know, talking about certain style that millennials, you know, live their life in and operate in. And so, yeah, that drove me to truly kind of dig into that. Also, I saw a lot of need. Like I said, they were struggling with the same thing, lack of passion, being stuck in jobs they hate, not understanding how the money principles work. And so, yeah, it absolutely allowed me to expand into that. So I coach clients and I work with a lot of startups all across the country. I'm a venture mentor for Arizona State University. So I work with their startups. And it's been, honestly, it's been eye-opening experience because I almost get to see, you know, the gaps that they had as teens that I now get to see at the adult age because, you know, nobody ever filled those voids. So it's very, very interesting to see that side. Amazing. So you brought up this term passion quite a bit, and I actually heard you speak about being a passionista. What is a passionista? So a passionista is a woman who is pursuing uh, her dream. She's essentially a woman who took her dream and turned it into a dream career or dream job. And it came from a term coined by my good girlfriend now and also my co-author for the book called Passionistas, Tips, Tales, and Twittables for Women Pursuing Their Dreams. And it was 37 millennial women who came together. All of us shared our stories, my chapters in there, about how did we start our companies from scratch. Most of us have crazy stories like with me, you know, being... $450 startup, and then with Erica going through her parents' divorce and pretty much finding her possessions from the home where she grew up and she saw them being sold at flea markets to girls who've been bullied and went for some health, like serious health issues. So all those stories when we came together showed us that, again, it really doesn't matter where you start. It really doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It only matters where you're willing to go. And if you're willing to turn your dreams into your dream opportunity, then you can truly be a passionista. You take your passion and you turn it into your lifestyle. So here's all these stories of people that started sometimes with nothing and they've turned into these success stories. Then if anybody can do it and we see so many people that are doing it, then why are there so damn many people that are still held back? What is holding people back the most right now in pursuing their quote passionista journey? I would say it's two things. It's mindset and execution, in my opinion. I'm a big fan of both. So I, I also coined this phrase with olinkacolina.com. I say, stop preparing, start doing. <laughs> and I think this is number one vice in our society. So I will take you through this journey of our lives, okay? So when you are, and you know that, I'm sure, and I've, you've seen parents, you know, even with David and Angelique, they have little girls. I have a daughter. And so this is how it normally works, right? When we are little we start getting prepared to go to kindergarten. When we're in kindergarten, we're getting prepared to go into first grade. When we're first grade, we get prepared to go to high school. When you're in high school, we're preparing to go to college. And when you're in college, you get pre prepared to take your first job. So if you spend all this time preparing, when do you have time to actually do things and figure out your passions and actually start living your life? I feel that we are so driven by perfection, which part of it comes with social media and a vast span of the fact that we have, you know, glamorous cars and mansions and airbrushed people that we all see all day, every day, 24-7. So we always measure ourselves against this version of perfection, which first of all is fake 99% of the time. And second of all, it's 
almost unattainable in most cases. None of those people look like that every day, 24 seven, 365 <laughs> days a year. And I'm a girl, I can testify to that. I know what it takes to put yourself together. So, but I mean, so we go through this like perfection stages, most of our life preparing for when everything is perfect and lined up for our opportunities that we never actually start doing things. And you see, I do things completely opposite. I was always, like I said, thanks to my mother who forced that phrase on me, just be different. She always said, done is better than perfect. And so I literally jumped into things when I wasn't ready all my life. You know, I, I started rising tycoons. I wasn't ready. I was, I quit the best job in the state. I had no idea what I was doing. As a matter of fact, when I went to book my first speech, I had no website and no business cards. So, and I was speaking like two days later and yelling at my web guy, what are you doing? I'm supposed to speak tomorrow. I have nothing. I don't exist. Like I literally kept saying this and that happened. And then, you know, when I launched alinkakalanen.com, same thing. I was like, I have no idea, but I know I have this passion and I know I can connect with people and I know how to take people to next level in their life. So again, I started doing it by just doing it. It kept growing and, you know, more clients kept coming on and obviously higher level clients kept coming on. But I absolutely noticed this all the way from 12 year olds that we started in Rising Tycoons all the way to, you know, million dollar companies and the CEOs I work with today that all the way through there is this huge disconnect of preparing for perfection and not having enough execution meanwhile. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So. I feel like this is one of the areas where my audience gets stuck the most is what you're talking about. The the whole concept of build your parachute on the way down or done is better than perfect, mm. which by the way, this is one of the things that held me back for so long. So I'm speaking from experience. How can people move past that? You know, they hear you say it and yeah. they probably even feel in their gut like, yeah, she's right. You know, you just got to start before you're ready, but then they stop in their tracks. How can they literally get past that hump? Well, I mean, there are a couple of, it's literally just, I mean, I, I know I can say just do it and sound like Nike, but yeah. I mean, it's literally getting to that point where it's small steps and small moments every single day. And you just literally go and do whatever those steps are. So if you want to build a coaching business, go and find an article about what it's like to be a coach. If you want to run an online company and learn more about Instagram, go listen to one webinar about what it's like to be a digital guru on Instagram. You know, when I, I'll give you an example. I was mentored by some extraordinary, really truly successful people. One of my first mentors was Darren Hardy, who is a former publisher of success magazine and um, worked with anybody from Richard Branson to Stephen job to Steve jobs and you name it. And so one of the things he told me, he said, I want you to obviously think of your dream life. And I now teach what's called the GPS approach, which basically I teach people to find their fairy tale. What is your fairy tale? Where do you want to end up? And then I teach them how to build their lifestyle leading up to that fairy tale, because most people don't even know when GPS tracks your route. It actually, if, you were, if we were going from Phoenix to California right now, it would find California first, whatever city we're in, and then track backwards to Phoenix. Most people don't live their life like that. Most people coast and then they accidentally hit certain points in their lives. So if you find your fairy tale, if you find the dream lifestyle you want to build, I did that for me. I'm speaking from experience too. You see, I love traveling. I would die in a cubicle. So I said, how can I build a company that will allow me to travel to any country anywhere? And I mean, I don't want to sound like a snob, but I pretty much at this point can do things like call my assistant and say, hey, I really want to go to South Africa. Let's find a school we can work with, or let's find, you know, a company we can work with. And so we build that like this. And, but I wanted that lifestyle. I wanted ability to travel and work anywhere sort of at my fingertips. So what people need to realize is one, they have to find their exact destination first because most of them don't know what they don't know. They don't even know what they want in life in the first place. And then once you find that destination, then you build little tiny small steps every single day. So one of the things Darren Hardy told me to do when I started, um, 
I, he said, so one of my fairy tale things, I, I'm obsessed with Ferraris. And he said, what do you want to do? Like, what car do you want to drive? I said, I would love to have a Ferrari. And so I flew, like, this is how crazy is this? One, I took a picture. So I first thing, obviously, before you start building your wealth, you don't have access to everything. And I understand that. But he literally had me go into dealership and take a picture next to a Ferrari and sit in it and feel what it feels like. And then later on, I actually flew to uh, Geneva when they unfolded Ferrari spider and I was there for their grand opening. So, I mean, it's things like that, that constantly you make certain small reminders that keep you excited because yes, it's the unsexy routine that everybody dreads. It's the unsexy small things that people don't want to do, but those small things, they move you along. But what helps you is like those little carrots along the way that remind you why is that you're so passionate about it? Why are you even doing this? And it's okay to give yourself some love. You should absolutely love the love of money. And I know I'm speaking on <laughs> the love of money. So yeah, I mean, absolutely people have to remember, you have to practice the unsexy routine to get anywhere, but you have to give yourself the small candy along the way to remind yourself why you're doing that. Oh my God, another mic drop moment. I feel like you have so many of them. I'm really excited for everyone to actually be able to listen to this episode because Everything you're saying is so freaking spot on, you know, everything from being unapologetic about being able to say to your assistant, hey, book us a trip here. Let's go do some business there to going and, and wanting a Ferrari and all that stuff, which, oh, by the way, I got a new Ferrari a few months ago. So if you're ever out here in L.A., you right. come visit Lori and I and, and, and we'll give you a ride. Um, but everything yeah. you're saying is spot on. And, and you started to head towards the money conversation, which is exactly where I want to go, is money mindset and limiting beliefs. And my question is this, do you see teens and millennials struggle with the same limiting beliefs that us adults tend to struggle with when it comes to earning money? You know, it's very interesting. It's yes and it's no. It's yes because it's, well, let's start with no first, actually. So it's a no because at the beginning, when they first start voicing their opinions and share their voice about money beliefs, it's magical. You know, ask any teen who wants to run a business how much money they want to make. They will shout out a million dollar number. I guarantee you it'll be five million, seven million, a million, but it will be up high. It'll be some high number that they're excited about. But when they start bringing these voices and conversations out loud to adults, they somehow get shut down. They get told that, you know, how are you ever going to do this? And you're 15 and you're 16. We hear that all the time where they share their dreams. They will bring out this crazy voice because they're not as scared as everybody else. And then they get shut down by the same people who are supposed to elevate them and, you know, encourage them because their beliefs are now exposed. And now their beliefs are limiting this younger generation that otherwise wouldn't have been scared. So I always say, you know, you just need to get out of their way and let them figure it out. It's actually a much better way to do that. So for the parent conversations that are listening right now, be very careful how you talk about money, because again, they will mimic what you say. So if money is an op is it, you know, is an obstacle for you personally, you better believe it that your kids are going to struggle with the same thing. That's amazing because you're right. We, we literally squash their dreams, you know, a 15 year old running around saying, I want to have 10 Ferraris and be a millionaire. And what does the parent say? Well, why don't you start with getting a job and have realistic expectations? And they don't mean to squash these dreams, but they do it because they're quote living in the real world. When in fact, the real world is that you can have and accomplish whatever the hell you want, right? Oh, absolutely. And you're like, you're getting me fired up. So if I get too out of hand, you have to tell me. No, go for like it. Like I said, my goal is not to offend anybody, but I am going to hit this one topic that I work with a ton of adult influences on, and it just irritates, just aggravates me to no end. So again, I'm probably going to ruffle a lot of feathers, but ruffle I'm just going to say this. So when you are raising your children and you're giving them allowances, and there is this old school mentality, how they're going to get paid for chores. I'm going to be realistic and very, very blunt about this. Unless you're planning for your child to become a janitor or a cleaning crew person, you don't need to pay them money for chores. Pay them money for reading books. Pay them money for creating ideas. Pay them money for figuring out how to solve a problem faster in your house, even if it relates to chores, you know? 
I have a, an example. I have a student who's been for Rising Tycoons Academy and actually won the competition, and he hated mowing lawns in summer. So his father, who also worked with us in the program, said, uh, well, this is your problem. It's 100 degrees in Phoenix. You hate mowing lawns? Figure it out. So guess what? He built a company that's called Husqvarna, which is essentially a lawnmower, which is like Roomba for your lawn. It allows you to mow the lawn, and it does it automatically. So this was his solution to the problem he hated. Pay them money for this. Why are we paying these kids money for, I'm sorry, cleaning the toilets or taking out garbage? They're not learning anything from that. Yes, they are getting money, but that's not the mentality we want to raise in them. If you're going to pay them, like I said, then give them things that educate them, things that take them to the next level, things that inspire them, that make them, you know, design their life better, which in turn will affect the life of the whole family. I'll give you an example. My daughter is seven years old. Every Friday we have a, comp uh, we have a conversation about the business she wants to start. She pitches an idea and I pitch an idea during the dinner time. She's seven years old and whoever idea is best gets to give the other person a dollar into their piggy bank. Well, mine is not a piggy bank per se, but she gets to give me a dollar if my idea is better than hers. This is the conversations we have. So if you can do it at seven, I know for a fact that there are 12, 14, 15 year olds there who are brilliant and would learn things from that. So really, I mean, paying money for chores is absolutely waste of a human potential. I'm just going to say that. Oh my God. I love it. I totally agree. You want to know the best part about this podcast is by the time that Lori and I end up having kids, I'm going to have so many amazing parents to reach out to so that I actually get it right. I freaking love all of this. So how do you want your daughter to view money and success when she grows up? Well, first of all, I want her to have no limited beliefs. So I'm very, very careful how we talk about money. I encourage her to dreams with whatever crazy dreams we do. And, uh, you know, she can literally pick whatever. Like when she talks numbers, I allow her to go as crazy as she possibly can as long as she has a plan. So I always say that kids have no issues with having dreams. They only have issue with finding pathways to get in those dreams. So what I am teaching her now is opportunities to see different pathways to whatever dream lifestyle she wants to build. So I want her success to be defined by her lifestyle she wants to have. Oh my God. I absolutely love it. And you know, one of our coin phrases here is when good people make good money, they do great things. And that's exactly what you've done. You've partnered with a cause called Not My Kid. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why it means something to you? Yes, absolutely. You know, we've always been, you know, we've always looked for nonprofits we work with and it's huge because obviously I love working with, you know, all teens across the board, but when we get a chance, and this is where I started in education, I started in inner city schools, so I know the brilliance that these kids have. You know, street smarts is something you can't always teach, and a lot of them are incredibly brilliant in that sense. So my passion always lied is how can I take kids that don't otherwise have access to all these tools, you know, most of who they have parents, most of whom have never gone to college, parents who work minimal jobs, parents are not there, even if they wanted to be there, because they do work three, four jobs to just provide for their families. So how do we take these kids and give them access to what Rising Tycoons is all about? Because their success stories are going to be me, you know, when I speak to that group of students, I always tell them, you know, you can't tell me that you can't do it because I am the very excuse you have in your head. You know, it's not my first language. This is not my home country. I'm an immigrant like many of those kids. I'm also, you know, I moved here by myself with no family. So everything I built up was because of me. And so for me, it's an absolute passion of building up more stories like my own. And so Not My Kid essentially started in Phoenix as a nonprofit for dealing with uh, substance abuse for youth and then they expanded their programs into dealing with mindset development for youth and then when we met uh, they absolutely loved what Rising Tycoons was standing for and they said you know it's such a beautiful combination of taking the mindset because most of these kids this is what they struggle with the most you know when you don't have the home environment that you need to grow it's really hard to build your mindset and stay positive and so 
that was our combination when we found, you know, not my kid and we talked to them and they said, absolutely, this is where we love to operate. And they became our official nonprofit scholarship partner for youth. And uh, now they, um, anybody who wants to donate funds to Rising Tycoons, 100% of those proceeds go to taking underprivileged youth for Rising Tycoons Academy. Amazing. I freaking love it. You are living out exactly what this podcast stands for. And that is, you know, when good people make good money, they do great things. And that is exactly what you're doing. Now, let's take that a step further. I've got this little segment that I always do with everybody. And it's really meant to inspire people to give a little more or to give a little more often. And I call it two minutes of bragging just to make it fun. And I (laughs) ask you, what is one of your favorite all time moments of giving that you have done? Oh God, I have like hundreds. You like super put me on the spot because I I have so many, so many amazing, amazing moments. Um, Oh gosh, you know, I mean, hundreds of scholarships I personally sponsored at this point, absolutely, just because when these kids graduate and they have a startup and seeing them completely like change their life. But I want to tell you like the last story about it that we did that just absolutely blew me away uh so we had a girl who obviously she's a minor so she's gonna rename unnamed uh but what happened is she came to our program and it's especially it was very sad because so she basically she won a competition where we gave 50 percent off scholarships and she was one of the nominees and i was very excited about her and then her mother approached me and she said you know i am so grateful and so appreciative but unfortunately we live on food stamps and like for us to come up with the other 250 dollars is short of borderline impossible and we we extend so what i did we did a huge fundraiser and we extended the scholarship and not only she went through the program she was sort of the underdog all along because like i said she's never been in this environment she's never worked you know with any entrepreneurs or ceos she didn't even know what ceo meant uh when she came to the program you know because we assign them titles so when they introduce themselves they learn to introduce themselves i'm so and so i'm a ceo of a company i'm cfo of a company so we we put them in that mentality fully and um so when she went through the program she kind of was an underdog all throughout and then she won it was the first time we had a girl win the pitch and she won and just seeing her family there and just seeing her cry she created but this is also so amazing because this is how giving works it literally becomes the giving train so because she won that competition she created a nonprofit that's called Backpacks for Youth here in Arizona. And what it and why that nonprofit started is she was in a class with a foster child who failed a test because they didn't have a backpack with pencils in it. And the teacher wouldn't give him a pencil. So he turned in blank test, failed the test. She saw the situation, got really upset created this nonprofit, won our pitch. One of the judges at the pitch saw this, loved the story. They brought her into his company. She ran a CEO meeting for his company, brought everyone to tears. They donated $450 backpacks for her and just did another huge fundraiser. And so now she has this thriving company that's supported by so many companies here in Arizona. And she's doing a ton of good because she's given backpacks to foster kids and all it took is $250 scholarship. So oh, this is amazing. this is the magic of giving. Yeah, like the, the trickle-down effect of it, the, the, the chain effect of it. it. It's the difference that you are making by what you are giving is, is huge. There's no way to measure it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's truly... It's truly amazing. I mean, honestly, I've had, I mean, the whole reason the Rising Tycoons was started, to be honest, is, um, and that story is in the Passionistas book, but I was speaking at a very small event in Iowa. I wasn't planning to have Rising Tycoons. I wasn't truly planning to speak. Uh, and uh, I was, I was just an international student who got invited and I spoke. And at the end of the speech, everybody was walking away and this young boy came up to me and he gave me a note. And I said, what's this? And he said, miss, you're beautiful. Aww. And I said, okay. But then I took the note and I said, what's this? He, he, and he said, this is my suicide note, but I don't need it anymore. Oh. And he walked away. And so that day when I stood there, I said, if I never made a dime, I will never walk away from this business. So, you know, it's truly become 
such a given train from the people, from the mentors who come in from across the world, from the, you know, parents who seen their kids transform in the program and then come back and say, what can we do for everybody else? From the teens who have been through the program, who now, you know, are wanting to mentor other teens and we use them, we call them Rising Tycoons Ambassadors, to now millennials who work with me get inspired and want to mentor the teens. So it's it's become this like one huge affected network. And yes, I'm 100% with you, you know, giving changes lives. And I hope people understand that, yes, making money is how you do good. And when you do good, it just keeps, it just keeps coming. Oh my God. I love it. What a story. It literally like, you know, makes me tear up and get the chills when you, when you tell that story, it's amazing. So everybody's going to want to find you, find out how they can work with you, get their kids enrolled, et cetera. So what is next for you and where can they find you? Oh, absolutely. Actually, I have a couple of gifts even. So if they go to alinkacullinan.com forward slash fire, because, you know, I love fire. I'm a girl and we have a girl on fire joke with me. Uh, so there is a couple of things there. One, there is my book on stop preparing and start doing. It's a very short read, just a small ebook that they can find. And then there's also a sign up for Digital Academy Online. We'll give them early pricing, which is a very small amount for a huge transformation for the kids. So again, it's olinkacullinan.com. I am under Olinka Cullinan on all social media. And it's alinkacolnet.com forward slash fire. So if they just go to that link, they will see everything there. I love that you're giving gifts. And we're going to make sure that those links are in the show notes of the podcast site. So it'll be very easy if everyone just wants to go to the show notes, click on the links, they'll be right there. So very last question for you. It's a question I ask everybody. And it is this. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? Because money is love. And when they start understanding how expensive that notion really is, and wealth is never about you. Wealth is always about the amount of trickle-down effect, the kindness, the wave of amazing things that you get to create they would look at it completely differently because i think a lot of money a lot of holding beliefs with money and a lot of limiting beliefs with money come from the fact that people view it as almost a selfish factor and they need to get away from that zone the moment you stop looking at money as something to move you forward and start looking at money as something that creates love in your community, in your family, in the world around you, that will change your perspective for life. Olenka, that is amazing. What an epic answer. And I got to tell you, I'm so grateful that I came across you in Phoenix because this interview was absolutely life-changing for anybody that tunes into it. So the most sincere, heartfelt thank you ever to you. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It was amazing. I enjoyed it. And Absolutely. Lots of love for money to everybody. Yes, for sure. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.